0: Miami was without Bam and bio against Cleveland and their impressive bigs, and it didn't matter as Kyle Lowry turned back the clock for an amazing 28-point performance, but there were contributions across the board, and they shut down the cast for their biggest win of the season, a 33-point blowout. We'll break down all the action and answer your questions on today's episode of Locked on Heat.
1: You are Locked on Heat, your daily Miami Heat
0: podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team... Every
1: day. All right, welcome to Locked On Heat, your daily podcast on the Miami Heat. I'm Wes Goldberg. Joining me, as always, David Ramil. However, you're tuning in on YouTube, Odyssey, your favorite podcast app. Thanks so much for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. We're recording this Wednesday night after the Heat beat the Cavs, one twenty nine to ninety six, two straight blowouts, and a quality win. In this one, after Monday's wire to wire win in Chicago, the Heat have not trailed in a game since Saturday. We'll get to credit cookies for Kyle Lowry, Caleb Martin, Jaime Haquez in a minute. But uh, two team wide stats to explain this win threes made and points off turnovers. The Heat made 20 of 35 three pointers. Lowry and Haquez responsible for most of those. They recorded 11 steals and scored 28 points off of those turnovers. A dominant team wide win, but I want to get back to Kyle Lowry, 28 points to lead the team, seven of eight from three-point range. David, what got into him tonight?
0: I'm not sure. I don't think there was anything specific. I just – he understands what's at stake. He spoke after the game uh, on the broadcast and mentioned the fact that he knew he'd have to step up without Bam Adebayo in the lineup, without Kevin Love as well, uh, unable to make his return to Cleveland. And what's incredible, early on in the first quarter, hitting five of his six through shots in the quarter, 15 points, and was just really engaged throughout. He looked amazing, just a, a explosive to the rim, decisive when he had the ball in the perimeter yep. catch and shoot situations. He looked really, really comfortable, letting it fly. This was Kyle Lowry of old. Like this was—I I hate using the that kind of term—vintage performance. But this was absolutely like one of his best games, uh, not just in a Heat uniform, but maybe throughout his career. Just the fact that he was able to again continue to score, kept it going, played really well overall, and just really good on defense as well. Why don't you like the term vintage performance? Because I feel like it's it's kind of I, we heard it so much with Dwayne whenever oh, he had like, like a, ten, a point outing. Yeah, I was just like, all right, he had to, he like he hit a nice layup in the in the, in the lane. It's like
1: vintage Dwayne. Wait a second. Like, oh, I see. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, no. This is no, this is the right uh framework to use the phrase vintage performance because right. it was, right? Like this was It really was. Like 2018-19 NBA finals winning Kyle yeah. Lowry for the right? Uh, yeah. I, I joked during the game, like I don't even think the ball touched his palms. It was just all fingertips right. the whole time. He was getting rid of it so fast. Yep. Um, he was in the motion with those catch and shoot uh, attempts. You used the word decisive. I think that's the perfect word to describe what it is that he did. He had the openings. Cleveland likes to play a lot of drop. They like to kind of do a soft shell on the perimeter. They want to take away what is around the rim. And if that means they're going to give up some above the break threes, then they're going to do that. I think all of Kyle Lowry's three-pointers came from above the break. Uh he just made them. He was on yep. fire in this one. And uh, he made two catch and shoot threes to start the game on Miami's first two possessions. And you kind of got the sense right away. You're like, Oh, he sees that this is an opening yep. for him. Like there is no other reason for him to do this uh, unless he thinks it's a huge advantage for his team. And obviously it was, because it just went on to keep going. To, 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 he just kept going on to do that, whether it was him making the three pointers or one of his teammates, I mentioned some of the stats before, but uh Lowry seven of nine from three-point range. Jame four for four from three-point range. Caleb Martin got it going, two of five from distance. Josh Richardson, two of four from distance. Yes. Like that three, uh, Haywood Highsmith, two of three. Even Jimmy Butler, he only went one for five, but he took five three-pointers and he didn't even play in the fourth quarter in this one. So right. um this is obviously an area that the Heat believed that they could take an advantage. Uh, they ended up getting three or five of these three-pointers up,
0: making 20 of them. Amazing performance from three point range. Like that was the difference. Like, again, I understand that Cleveland without Donovan Mitchell, without Isaac Okoro, Dean Wade, they had missing a couple sure. of rotation players there. So you have to acknowledge that. But Miami still played very effectively, understanding the what he's missing. He's missing Bam Adebayo Buc- and Kevin Love. We didn't mention that yet. So, important. yeah. No, yeah, I know. Absolutely. And I, I think, you know, Bam is such an important part of what they do defensively and offensively. And he, they didn't miss a beat. Like, they got great contributions across the board. I know we'll talk about that the next time when we, we give our credit cookies. But just everybody understanding their role. This team is so much better than even last year's version. They just look really dynamic. Next man up mentality. Whatever you want to call it. This team is deeper. They're better. They play fast. They play with p- pay, pace, purpose. Uh, Just the way they attack. Other teams now, such a far cry from where they were when they started off the season one and four. Even those first five games, obviously that two-point win or one-point win Against the Detroit Pistons in the first game of the season it doesn't really matter, but also seems like that happened a year ago compared to what this team has been nine and one over the last ten games. Let's be honest; they probably should be on a ten game win streak right now if they had it loaded yeah. against the Chicago Bulls on Saturday. But aside from that, they just look really dynamic. The
1: the quality win part of this is what stands out to me also because you know look the, the, the past few opponents have not been strong, right? This has not been the, the the strongest in terms hasn't been the toughest schedule in terms of the opponents they've played. Yes. A lot of these games are on the road. Several of them on the second night of back-to-back or with the rest disadvantage. So I don't want to take anything away from the Heat's current sort of win streak that they're that they're on right now, the stretch yeah. of wins. But against the Cavs, and yeah, they had some guys missing, but so did the Heat. This was a quality win in Cleveland with a lot going on here the night before Thanksgiving. you got two really big games on the road coming up Friday and Saturday in New York and in Brooklyn. This could have been looked at almost like a, Trap game is like disrespectful to the Cavs because they're a good team, but just because of the right. round of the holiday and then a big trip coming up in New York and then and and, and you know the uh, the the in season tournament ramifications of Friday's game at Madison Square Garden, like all that stuff could have gotten the Heat looking forward a little bit and skipping this one and ah you know, Fam's not playing. Kevin Love's right. already personal reasons. Maybe this one's just a scheduled loss. They didn't do that. They came out here firing first quarter took a huge lead led wire to wire basically blew the cavaliers out the entire game and uh i've I've, and got the quality performances up and down the roster with bam out the thing with bam is the all the defensive stuff gets a lot of attention the offensive stuff what we tend to focus on is his scoring and his aggressiveness but he is miami's main trigger into most their three-point looks, the dribble yep. handoff and the screen, and the hard screens that he sets out there on the perimeter, high screen roll actions and stuff like that. That is what gets Miami I would say a majority of their looks from three-point range. And with Bam out, yeah, you got good screening screen games from Thomas Bryant and Orlando Robinson who, who filled up the uh, center minutes tonight. Um, but it was just a lot of, hey, let me come off the screen, be decisive, early in the shot clock kind of stuff, and getting those up. I thought the Heat they played with a terrific pace tonight. Absolutely. Um, I, I, I just thought uh, offensively it's, it's not quite like a Ewing theory thing, but without Bam, it did just sort of simplify things a little bit more against the Cavaliers team that defensively was trying to do a lot of different things. They, they tried some zone. They, they did a few, they, a lot of drop coverage and things like that. But um, I just thought like, you know what? Sometimes, sometimes simpler is just better.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think it's a good point. I mean, I, texted you after the game and my takeaway was that without bam as a connector. And that's basically what it is. Like that's what you're explaining is that he's the hub of the offense. He's a, a stopping point. You know, you can drive and kick and you kick it out to bam. Cause he's always there from that 18 to 20 foot range. And then you're going to either work a pick and roll for a three point opportunity. He's going to pull up for that long jumper that he's been nailing with regularity now, or he's going to find a seam and maybe cut to the hoop or something like that without him there. It was a lot of the drive and kick, maybe pick and roll at the top of the perimeter get into the painted area, and then flare out to an open shooter from the perimeter. And everybody, I know I used the term for for Kyle, but I think there was a lot more decisiveness there. And I don't know if it was a a byproduct of missing Bam at a bio, but everybody seemed like they understood what was at stake. And getting those shots off early, as you hinted, I think was a top priority for them.
1: Uh, should also mention that Cleveland was playing on the second night of a back-to-back after going to overtime against a very physical Philadelphia 76ers team. That probably had something to do with it, but there were so many injuries, so many things going on here uh that Cleveland was still a one and a half point favorite according yep. to FanDuel in this one. And yep. and so look, you could find reasons and and all these things a quality win uh and a blowout one at that <laughs> for the Miami Heat. We're going to get uh we're going to get to credit cookies next. I don't know that we have enough For Jaime Hawkins Jr. (laughs) at this point. It's coming up next here on Locked on Heat. Thanks for making Locked on Heat your first listen every day. Make sure you're subscribed on YouTube and on your favorite podcast app. Locked on has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked on Sports today is here for you 24-7 covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Lockdown plus our national shows covering every league. So go to Lockdown Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first-ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. It's really cool. Like You could just literally stream that onto your smart TV and just have that playing instead of sports yelling. You could just have really <laughs> insightful stuff going on. Whoa. It's really, it's really yeah, neat. Yeah. Sports um, yelling
0: is a really uh, appreciated, underappreciated art form, I think. We should do more. We could do a whole sports yelling uh oh topic. Sure we here. Could. Um, sure
1: we could. Well, it's time for the tastiest segment on Locked On Heat. It is time to hand out some credit cookies. Do we have some Thanksgiving themed cookies that we can hand out, David?
0: Yeah, like uh you know, turkey cookies maybe, like in shape of like little cookies. turkeys. Oh, oh yeah, Not made like turkeys. Not made yeah, of not it. made out of turkey. That would be disgusting or delicious. I don't know anymore. I can't I can't tell anymore. I don't know.
1: What about like a, like a cranberry white chocolate situation?
0: Uh, yeah. I'm not a big fan of cranberry sauce, but sure, we're not. It could work. All right. Uh, where do you want to start? Uh, you know, we mentioned Kyle. Let's knock that out early. I, I think he's he set the tone so early on, and he was so dynamic and, and just such a big part of what they're, they did so well today. And I don't know how many more of these type of performances we will get regularly. He did wind up not playing much of the fourth quarter, if at all, in the fourth quarter. So I think that was great for him to get some kind of rest. He looks in great shape. He looks really, really good. Uh, He's been really good, even when he hasn't been productive, too. I I think people, again, expect more out of him because of the salary and everything else. I I hate the salary comparison because that's not fair. He got paid what was the market at that point in time, and it was the right price for landing him. And he was expected to be... Perhaps more productive, but he's also settled the floor. And this year in particular, I think he's done a really, really good job of playing in his role very effectively. So I'm going to give him three cookies just because he was such a dynamic offensive player all night.
1: Three seems right to me. We got a lot to give out here. Um, and So almost seems like not enough. But like I said, there's a lot to spread out here. We only have 10 cookies Absolutely. to give out. And Dem's the rules. Um, look, in turn, like the guy's 37 years old. I don't know what people right. expect. The fact that he's not as productive as he once was should be the least bit surprising. Like that, like <laughs> yeah. it would be surprising if he was still scoring 18 points a game and, and with nine assists per game like he was averaging in his prime. Like that would be ridiculous. That would be what LeBron and 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 guys like that yeah. are doing. Like it just doesn't happen. And That's so one, of one. He, yeah, exactly. So look, I've said this before: the contract is the contract, and the contract length was the contract length. But I think the Heat fully understood that the this final year of Lowry's contract could look just like this at its low points. So if you're able to get a 28 point performance here and there from him that can get you a big road win, then you take it. And that's just icing on the cake. That's all we're talking about. The other st- like he's not e- expected to be a score. But with Bam and Tyler Hero both out and Jimmy Butler kind of having an off night three of 12 overall from the field. You got off to a good start and then kind of tapered off. But yep. um they, But, you know, credit to Lowry. He got it going early, and he, and he didn't let up until he didn't have to play anymore. Only 29 <laughs> minutes played. So uh it was good on him. I think three cookies is fine. Uh Let's go to Jaime Haquez Jr. Wow. I mean, we had – okay, before I get to this, three different players in this game for the Miami Heat have their best games of the season scoring-wise. Already talked about Lowry. Jaime Haquez, uh surpassed his previous rookie high of 21 points in a game, had 22 points. Tonight. And then we also had Caleb Martin, who obviously has been dealing with the need uh, issues, having 14 points tonight. That was his best game of the season. So three different Heat players having their season best performances scoring wise. Jaime Hackers Jr., seven of 10 overall, four for four from three point range, eight rebounds, and assist, a steal. If there's a turn in the punch bowl of the Jaime Hackers night, it's six turnovers in this one. But none of them felt that costly when they were up as much All as right. they were. Um, mm-hmm. And so uh, just a really uh, strong Jaime Hawkins night. And I was really impressed with his work in the post against yeah, the Cavaliers team.
0: That's right. I, I think when he saw those opportunities, when he had somebody smaller, he took advantage of them. But even against bigs like that, you know, he he found the the right ways of attacking them, drawing contact on, on occasion, you know, finishing at the rim, finding those seams there. It was really effective. But, man, I, I, as much as you can appreciate the low post work, Like, that shooting is otherworldly at this point. Like, again, I don't know how consistent this is going to be, but we wondered whether or not he could get to, like, a league average a few uh, episodes ago. But he's been shooting it so well, 4-4, and the the shot, the rhythm, all so comfortable. And, again, very, very decisive. Like, no hesitation there. And I know that's Jaime's game in general. Like, he does not waste any time when it comes to having the ball in his hands, he's going to either make the right pass or find a way to attack a defense or let it fly. And tonight he was letting it fly four of four. Mm-hmm. It's just really impressive. Like he has to be considered one of the top three rookies in the class this year at this point. I, I think he's just been so top effective. Four. Top four? I mean, who, okay, Wemmy, who are the top Wemmy, four? Yeah, Wemby, sure, yeah, yeah.
1: and Jaime hakas That's the four. Those are the four but standout
0: Asar, rookies. If, Asar, I, I, great. They're also two I'm not putting 12. them in order.
1: I'm just saying those are your top four. Those are your standouts. Okay.
0: Fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. And I and I think I, even I Haim, his game might be a little bit more versatile than Thompson's, which is saying something too. So I, I look, he's been great. And uh, I think two cookies feels like almost not enough. Three cookies feels like a little bit too much. But I don't know. Let's go uh, to, you, you Be the decisive Go because okay.
1: I'm I'm doing I'm, I'm looking ahead here. But uh, Jaime Hakas Jr. getting the attention of the national media. ESPN's Bobby Mark tweeting last ten games for Jaime Hakas Jr. thirteen point four points, fifty six point really? nine percent from the field, and fifty percent from 3 point range. 50%. The 3 pointers, it's a little PJ Tuckery where I don't think guys are necessarily closing out hard on him, but he's just but still credit. He's making the shots. And we saw <laughs> what he can do when they have a guy like PJ Tucker making 40 plus percent of his threes from the corners. And Jaime Hake huh? Jr, a majority of his looks come from the corners. That's a sweet spot. That's exactly where you want him to be. You don't need him going crazy above the break, hit those shots from the corners and then every once in a while jam an elbow in get to the low post make those moves like he did tonight several times and then he can also play make out of those situations too his cutting oh. and his passing are very advanced uh the defense uh has been awesome uh yep. basically since he since feet touched ground on this thing so um, just yeah, continue to be really impressed with him. I, I also
0: I wanted to p- call out that that Eric Spolstra took him, put him in the game, took out Duncan early on. I think Duncan had p- maybe picked up a, another foul or something like that early in the game, but put Jaime in right away and he responded. Uh, you know, with Duncan struggling tonight to kind of find his space, maybe going up against a guy like Max or something. I don't I don't know exactly what it was that was challenging Duncan tonight, but he wasn't effective tonight. As good as he's been overall over the last couple of days or I weeks. He's I thought he was he, all right.
1: he, had, he had three assists. He was a team best plus thirty-two, whatever that's worth. Uh, <laughs> Plus-minus guy, but yeah. um, I thought he was okay. But let's go to. Um, but you're right. Like the the lineups now, and we've seen Spo do this with Jaime. Who? What was it on the wing? It was Jaime, Josh. No, Jaime yep. Highsmith. Maybe Jimmy Butler was still in at that point. Yeah, I think oh, it yeah. was. We've seen um, Spolstra start to use Hakez with Jimmy Butler a lot more. And with yep. Highsmith and Caleb Martin coming back and, and playing a lot of minutes, he's not afraid to play three of those four guys at the same time. And I love the length that they're playing with in those kinds of lineups. So,
0: yeah, it's um, worth a lot of you, passes uh, here.
1: Let's go to Orlando Robinson next. I oh. want to give two cookies to him. Yes. He 14 points, nine rebounds, four of which were offensive rebounds, six of 10 from the field, uh, made a three pointer in the fourth <laughs> quarter uh, just for fun, you know, just for funsies. Uh, a couple of blocks in this one. He was phenomenal we're also going to give a cookie to thomas bryant i don't want to take anything away from him as a starting center i thought he was really good he was setting good screens he was where he needed to be gave really good energy so between the two of those guys we can just knock them both out right now one cookie to thomas bryant two of them to orlando robinson orlando robinson's first real minutes of the season he only played once before in garbage time basically he was
0: very impressive it was unbelievable like i had very low expectations and you know we root for orlando because i I think he's he's a good guy he's put in the work and he spoke; he was so optimistic about what he'd be able to contribute. Like either he thought he might contend for a starting job, yeah, but he's fallen out of the rotation. You're talking about completely. our conversation with him at media day. Yeah. And, yeah, and and from that point forward, it's just the season has taken a downturn for him. And for him to stay ready like that, that kind of mentality, and against two all stars or almost all stars, and Mobley and Allen, yeah. like he was really, really effective, and his positioning. For those rebounds, that was huge. I don't even know what the rebound disparity is, but it seemed like every board was going in Miami's favor. 41, yeah, to 34. Like Despite the two bigs in Cleveland's lineup, Miami was just better positioned, understanding, attacking, finding the way to get to those boards. The anticipation from both Bryant and R- Orlando Robinson and everybody else, to be honest with you, guys like Duncan, everybody else, finding a way to pull down those boards and initiate that fast-paced transition basketball Really, really yep. essential. But Orlando's overall game, really good around the basket, too.
1: The Heat had an offensive rebounding rate tonight of 31.8%, which is a monster number for Miami, yeah. a team that yeah. doesn't really get much of those offensive boards. Uh, if they were to add the offensive rebounding element to their sort of portfolio here, it like Miami's whole strategy is get more quality possessions than the opponent, and they usually do that by forcing turnovers, which I obviously did tonight. Um, and limiting their own turnovers and things like that. But if they're able to add the offensive rebound portion of it, that would be great. Still, no Bam, no Kevin Love. Those guys are the guys at center. They Miami went to two non rotation guys to fill the center void tonight, and they both stepped up in a big way. Uh, Absolutely. one cookie for Caleb Martin, one cookie for Josh Richardson. Does that sound about right yes. to you?
0: Absolutely, right. that's exactly how I have it planned out, too. Uh, Caleb. I texted you, and I feel sheepish about it, but yeah, I texted because he looked struggling, like his first possession out there, I think he wound up falling out of his shoe and then he kind of bobbled the ball a couple of times defensively. His footwork just didn't seem right compared to the stance that he was getting in last year when he was at his peak. and he just he's still working his way back, still obviously rusty from coming back from injury, but then slowly but surely started getting more comfortable, started finding you know the opportunity. To to get back into his yeah. rhythm. And he really, really in stepped a, up in a very positive way. In the second
1: quarter, he made a mid-range jumper, then got a steal yes. that led to a score, and then forced yes. Max Struess, our old friend, into a travel was a big part of the 14 to 2 run in right. the second quarter that basically broke the game open. Uh yep. so I thought it was a really quality game from Caleb Martin. And like you said, little little rough to start, but found his footing. Almost literally got his shoe back on, found his footing, and then yep. uh, and then took off from there. And you hope that this—we know he's better than what he had been. He's obviously working through this knee tendonosis, tendinosis, tendonitis, whatever, which one ever it is. Um, but if he could look a lot more like this, and that's going to be huge for the Heat. How many minutes did he play tonight? It was 26 minutes, played, so a season high. Yeah,
0: yeah, uh, yeah late in the him. fourth quarter when the when the starters were out and everybody was kind of just sitting, he was out there for yep. most of that fourth quarter. So yeah. Uh, oh, I should we should point out as well. Drew Smith suffering what looked like a pretty bad injury. Yeah. I know we're focusing on a positive here. Drew Smith got some minutes tonight, uh, and he was okay in those minutes, but then he was – I mean, it was very short-lived performance there because he got hurt almost immediately contesting a three-pointer. And yeah. John Crotty talking about the fact that the, the Cavs court is elevated – And it looked like what Smith fell, like his foot slipped on a sheet of paper that was underneath an assistant. Under a chair and then
1: off the court. Freak accident. Just wild. Very, very weird. So we wish all the best for him. Yeah, Yes, absolutely. And it's worth reporting that news. Um, All right. Coming up. And then Josh Richardson also got a cookie. 14 points, five and nine shooting. uh, Great game. Three point range and five assists. Two, zero turnovers. Great game uh, overall for Josh Richardson as a table setter. Um, All right. We're going to get to our listener questions next. Have the Heat figured it out on offense? We're going to zoom out coming up here on Locked On Heat. Thanks for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. Every day or tune in tomorrow when we're joined by Sports Illustrated's Rohan Nadkarni to discuss our biggest takes from the Heat season so far, including why Duncan Robinson should continue to start even when Tyler Hue returns and why a trade at some point needs to be made. Make sure you're subscribed on YouTube and on your favorite podcast app. Let's go now to your listener questions. Thanks for sending them in, uh, sending them in on Twitter using that hashtag askelloheat, uh locked heat at gmail.com, locked on heat on Instagram as well. This question comes from Brian, who writes in the Heat came into tonight ranked 18th in offensive rating, and only one point per 100 possessions behind 14th. Is this real? Is it inflated due to some bad recent opponents, or could Miami get up to the fifteenth, sixteenth range once Hero gets back? David, what do you think?
0: I don't think you can look at the quality of opponent and have that take away. Like that's what Miami's supposed. That's what good teams are supposed to do. They're supposed to beat up on those bad teams. So I think the fact that they can inflate whatever numbers are necessary against these inferior, quote unquote, inferior opponents is absolutely fine. I don't think that should be weighed as a factor. I think they're go. I also think that they're figuring things out as the seasons progress and understand their identity much more clearly. Their roles feel much more defined than they were earlier in the year. I don't think that's necessarily due to the loss of of Tyler Hero. I know that everybody's going to be scapegoating him as the reason why Miami has been playing better, but I think Highsmith starting has made a huge been a huge factor for this team. And I think everybody kind of figures out what their role is supposed to be commensurately. And I think to to the question, you know, I think once Tyler comes back, I think they'll be even better. Maybe I'm just being optimistic here, but I think this is more the norm rather than the exception. I don't see any reason why they wouldn't finish top 15 in offense.
1: The Tyler Hero thing, the Haywood Highsmith thing, we've talked so much about it. The biggest development for Miami, the biggest change offensively has just been Jimmy Butler getting into regular season form. No preseason for Jimmy Butler. He looked rusty to start the year in those first few games. But since November, uh, the Heat are 14th in offensive rating. So just a smidge above league average. Uh, they're probably actually going to be higher after this game too. So uh, they're 14th in offensive rating. And I'm you know, i like, okay, well, they're getting a whole lot of turnovers, easy points in transition, uh, things like that, that kind of tend to boost your, your overall rating. What are they in the half court? Well, I looked it up on Cleaning the Glass. Since November? Ninth in offensive half-court rating. That's a crazy stat for this team. Now, they've been shooting the ball really well. Really well. And so that's a big part of this. But they're also taking really good shots also. This is not a team that's high up in volume. Actually, their best comp – I'm trying to think, okay, what other team is like Miami that tends to be high up there in offensive rating? Their best comp is the Oklahoma City Thunder. They take about the same amount of shots from three-point range. Mm. They take the good shots, high-efficiency looks – Uh, They try to control the boards, control the turnover to uh, the assist to turnover ratio or or the the turnover margin, rather, uh, and things like that. Their best scorers are guys that do most of their work in the mid range, whether it's Shea Gilders, Alexander or Jimmy Butler, who are opportunistic when they take their three pointers um, and everybody else sort of falls in line after them. I think I I don't know if it's I don't know. Oklahoma City is a top 10 offense. Miami will not be a top 10 offense this year. I, I'll, 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 let me put it this way. I'll be very surprised if they're a top 10 offense this year, even when Tyler Hero comes back. But if they could stay, even with a dip in the shooting percentages that is going to come at some point, they're going to go through a slump as a team. But you add Tyler Hero back in, you layer his return on top of that, I think that could stabilize whatever shooting slump is about to happen. And then after that, yeah, I think about league average is where this team settles in offensively. They're really deep. They actually have a bench that can score. And that to me is the biggest difference from last year. The shooting was atrocious last year. You and I expected more of a, regre- uh, a regression, aversion, I should say, to the mean this year. That's happening. That's already going right. to happen. So that's already done. But then you add the fact that guys like Jaime Hakas Jr., Caleb Martin coming off the bench can score, and that and Josh Richardson like that. That stuff really matters for this team. Kevin Love coming off the bench uh, and yep. having him as an option uh, behind Bam as more of an offensive factor right. than than zellers and all those guys last year so yeah yeah i think this team is just better offensively and if they settle into league average and and can maintain a top 10 rating defensively then that's the formula
0: for this team going forward do you i know i'm putting in the spot here what are their assist numbers for the month ever since like this 10 game streak has started really because it seems like they're making passes much more frequently and and it's igniting like the offense. It just looks uh, – and aside from the pace of the transition baskets and everything else like that, they seem like they're moving the ball a little bit. And I, I think that can be at least somewhat attributed to the loss of Tyler. But we also saw Tyler increase his assist ratio when he was playing and, and before the injury. And so I wonder, you know, is that going to be part of this offense moving forward? Because if so – I, I don't know if top 10 is realistic, but maybe they could even get as high as like 12th, 13th in the league. That seems possible if they can continue to get these kind of shooting nights from guys like Duncan and everybody else.
1: They're seventh since the start of November in assist percentages. So the percent of their points that come off of an assist, 65.9% of their made shots are are, are directly from an assist. Uh, again, that's seventh. That's, be, all, that's behind the Warriors, the Spurs, the Kings, the Raptors, the Nuggets, obviously. Uh, And Mm -hmm. somehow the Phoenix Suns uh, are up there. So, um, yeah, I think it's just because everybody doubles Kevin Durant and Devin Booker and just you get wide open shots for guys like Eric Gordon. But, um, yeah, no, I think that's that that says a lot. And it's it's good by you to even notice that just with the eye test and the numbers bear it out. So, um, look, I do think that this is sustainable. The half courts thing still scares me a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, Bam out of bios shooting numbers from mid range, shooting 50 plus percent from that range. I know we believe in Bam Adebayo. I don't believe that he's basically Kobe Bryant <laughs> from a scoring <laughs> perspective, and I think wow. that's okay. Uh, yeah. So if his, so he needs to tilt his shot chart a little bit more to the efficient areas, the restricted area by the basket specifically. If he can keep doing more of that, then that's gonna uh, that's gonna be good. At some point, I know he's keeping track of it, but Jimmy Butler is not gonna be shooting fifty percent or even forty plus percent from three point range. Like that's gonna normalize too at some point. So they got to figure out those bumps. Those bumps are coming. They need to figure them out. There's going to be some tough ones coming up here. I don't I don't know when, but it's going to happen. I'm not trying to pour cold water over everybody, but I'm just telling you, it's going to happen. That said, sure. I think there's enough here where you could believe in it. Um, that they, they have a good formula that works, and I think that there's enough options here that can keep them at least at, at league average. All right. Uh, again, tomorrow we will be joined by Sports Illustrated's Rowan Nadkarni to talk about our biggest takes, our hot takes, from the season so far, but not really hot takes. These are takes that we really, truly believe. (laughs) Duncan Robinson versus Tyler Hero in the starting lineup. We'll touch on that. Why a trade might have to happen. Jimmy Butler's all-star status. Bam Adebayo's all-NBA status. We're going to talk about all of that on Friday. So thanks for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. Hit that subscribe button on YouTube and follow us on your favorite podcast app. And a reminder, Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. So go to Locked On Sports today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody that's out there. We're so thankful for, for you guys to tuning in. A bunch more great shows and content coming up for you after the holiday.